Hello everyone, it's really lovely to see you all. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Aaron, one of the ministers on staff here. Uh, it's great to see you. Come and say hi afterwards. If you are new, I just want to give you a heads up. So we are jumping, so we sort of tend to preach through whole books of the Bible, and we are jumping back into a sermon series that we started last year, looking at 1 Corinthians. Um, in this book, 1 Corinthians, Paul sort of talks about topics. So he sort of gives a few chapters to a particular topic. And where we are right now is we're at the tail end of the topic of sex and relationships. And Paul, what he's trying to do is he's trying to help us think well about this stuff. And you heard the reading, it's a cracker. I know, it's, it's very interesting. So, in this particular section of the section on sex and relationships, he wants us to think about marriage and singleness. And it's a lovely section of scripture. Um, he is speaking about stuff. It's quite, I know these topics are quite emotionally charged things, emotionally loaded. But did you notice his tone is, it's really gentle. Like right from the start in verse 25, he says, I've got, I've got no command from the Lord for you. I just want to like give you some wisdom. I just want to give you some advice. And it feels like a bit of an odd way to start this little section, doesn't it? But the church in Corinth that he's writing this letter to had a tendency to over-spiritualize things, especially relationship stuff. So in the first half of chapter 7, the very first verse, there's this really bizarre, he's talking of this bizarre idea floating around in this church where married couples are thinking they shouldn't have sex for, I don't know why they thought it was, wasn't spiritual or something like that. And then there are other people thinking that singleness was the only way to be truly connected to God. And I think at the start here, Paul is trying to, um, he's trying to dial down all that nonsense a little bit and just saying, hey, can I just talk to you really sensibly about these issues? So yes, yeah, so there's this lovely tenderness, tenderness about it. There's no bashing. He's not saying, this is right and this is wrong. You'll notice in the reading, it's like at one point he goes, it's a good idea to do that. And you know what? It's a pretty good idea to do that as well. That's also a great idea. And then verse 32, he goes, I just don't want you to be anxious. You know, I don't want you to be sort of anxious and weighed down by life. And right at the end, he's talking to the widows and he says, look, I, I, want, you to be, I want you to be happy. Now, before jumping into the kind of the nuts and bolts of the passage, um, I, just, I just want to make a few opening remarks about, in general, about this idea of marriage and singleness. I do want to acknowledge that I am a married man, and I will be talking about singleness and the benefits of it here. So please forgive me if I say anything thoughtless when I talk about that. Um, Paul, however, was a single man when he wrote these words. So I'm kind of leaning on that. Uh, he was likely a widow because um, he was a Pharisee before he became a Christian, and Pharisees were married. But at this point in life, he's a single man. So he's either widowed or maybe he's divorced. We don't know, actually. Sorry if I throw that kind of crazy idea out there, but we just, we just don't know. I mention that because... Just to clarify again, he is speaking as someone who lives in that single space. So I will do my best just to say what he says. Um, still with opening remarks here. I also want to acknowledge that some of what he says here 
does is going to sound strange to our to us uh, perhaps in perhaps in particular when he gives he gives a big nudge to the single life and he's pretty he's pretty blatant about it like right at the end of the chapter he says to widows so a husband or wife has died and he says he says if you don't marry you'll probably be happier actually like he's giving it a really good nudge and I think we read it and other places he talks about that it sits funny with us it sits like what but what about focus on the family what about all these radio programs and all these books and all this kind of stuff I think we have um, idealized marriage in our culture and I think in sort of Christian circles we probably haven't been helpful in idealizing marriage um, church in church land we should never present marriage as the only way to live a uh, sort of a content life um, the idea that you are only finally complete when you are married is not a biblical idea and uh, if I have ever talked like that or hinted in that direction forgive me that was my bad I did a wrong thing if I've ever done that um, if we've ever presented single life as kind of like you're in the waiting room of life waiting for things to get going that's not right that is not a bible idea i asked a, a single friend of mine this week what is the thing that married people say to you that annoys you the most and they said when people say they're praying for me to get married um, this person said i'm just i'm quite happy like i have no plans to get married like I'm I'm good like I'm, I'm good you know all right so but because we have this kind of idealized view of marriage Paul asking people to consider a single life I think sounds quite audacious doesn't it well it's 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 not audacious when you consider the worldview that Paul kind of sneaks in there as well he kind of slides these really big theological ideas in this passage as he's talking about marriage and singleness and some of the couple of the really big ideas verse 29 paul reminds us again this is all introductory stuff paul reminds us that life is short this is life short it's a good thing to remember verse 31 he says the world is passing away life is short and it's temporary and on the other side of that there is new creation and there'll be eternity and jesus tells us in the gospels there will be no marriage now if that is not true then now is all you've got this is it it's all you've got is now so take and get as much as you can in life have as, have sex with as many people as possible as often as you want why not because that's all there is but if this life is not all there is this is what paul is trying to get us to this life is not all there is and he wants us to bring an eternal perspective to our lives and if you have that an eternal perspective that all these things we're jonesing for right now are temporary and life is actually going to be short if you believe that then you can actually um, you can actually live in the context of a kind of a tricky marriage or you can be celibate and signal single 
and not think you're being totally ripped off by life. Because this is not all there is. Last opening remark, very quickly, just a reminder, this is not all there is to say about marriage and singleness. The Bible is full of stuff on this. This is just, he's making a particular point tonight, which we'll get to. Okay, that's enough. We're going to jump into the passage now. We're going to look at the nuts and bolts of this, and it'll be pretty quick, to be honest. Um, Nuts and bolts, verses 27 and 28. What does Paul say? He says, if you're married, stay married. If you're single, you don't need to get married, which is lovely, I think. And then he says something I'll come back to. He says, but you should know, if you do marry, it's, it's going to be drama. And, um, and I want to spare you that drama. You could actually spare some drama in your life if you don't. So I think that's quite interesting, isn't it? Then in verse 32, he talks about this. Look at it. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. And these are good anxieties. These are like good stresses in your life. Verse 33 and 34 He talks about how married people will have to worry about each other. But the unmarried will be worried about the things of the Lord. Okay, so what does all that mean? I've just thrown a whole lot of controversial stuff out there. What does all that mean? Simply, he's saying, if you're married, you are rightfully committed to the flourishing of that other person. And that's good, and that's right. And that takes time, and it takes resources, and there'll be setbacks, and it'll be hard. For example, when you get married, your, your personal time gets cut in half straight away. Every kid you have after that divides that personal time you have in half again. So I had this much, and I have this much, now three kids later. So I have about this much, which equals about 45 minutes to myself a day desperately trying to stay awake at 9.30 at night, um, lying on the couch, just trying, to, just trying to get through one episode of whatever I'm watching at the time. You're also one broken person married to another broken person. You have twice as many strange relatives. And what, what Paul is trying to get at is your life will be rightfully taken up, rightfully taken up, attending to lots of things when you're married. I'm not trying to make it sound terrible because I know singleness can be very, very hard. I was always one of the last of my friend groups to get married back in the old country and I'd go to their weddings and I'd usually they'd get me to MC stuff and be involved in stuff and I always found it a bit depressing to be honest. Now Paul here does not tackle so much the difficulty of singleness but we know in other places that he really struggled with depression. We know in other places he talks about people really letting him down and not having that kind of one-to-one support that others have. Here he's trying to make a particular point in this passage, though, and it's this. It's very simple. It's this. He says, a single person has more freedom and flexibility in their life. And this is key, what I'm about to say here. He's not saying live a single life, it's great because you have more time on your hands. No, he's saying you have more flexibility and freedom for Jesus. So it's not... Isn't it great you have less responsibility? That's not the point. The point is you have less responsibility to another person you've made a covenant relationship with, so you're freer to be more responsible to give your time and resources to Jesus. He explains it in verse 35. He says, And I say this for your own benefit, 
Do not lay, do not lay, I, I don't want to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So the lay any, res lay any restraint bit, that's a, like a word picture in, in, the, in the old language. It's, it's like lassoing an animal, like tying a rope around an animal and leading it somewhere. He's saying, I don't want to do that to you. I'm not trying to force you, Paul. I'm not trying to force you to get married. I'm not trying to force you to be single. His great longing is that single people and married people, we both serve Jesus. We are both daily dealing with Jesus, every day dealing with Jesus. But he makes the very practical point and loving point. He just says, but just folks, just remember, singleness does have some advantages. And he's at pains to make it very practical, isn't he? The Corinthians, as I said earlier, had weird ideas around singleness that had led them to over-spiritualize it. And Paul says here, singleness does not mean you are holier, but it does have some practical advantages in terms of the time and resources you can commit to Jesus. And again, I just want to make this point. He's not, he's not being all fundy about this. He just says, in verse, in like in verse 36, he does say, look, if you want to get married, you want to have sex, fantastic. Go have at it. Fantastic. The main thing is we're just all serving Jesus in whatever state we find ourselves in in life, daily dealing with Jesus. But also, if you're single, there's a bit of an advantage there in terms of your resources and your time. Finally, at the end, he speaks to widows in verse 39 and 40. And he says, look, you're free to marry. Have at it. But consider singleness. But if you do get married, he says, do it only only in the Lord, which means marry another Christian. Because again, the, the priority is our devotion to Jesus. So, you know, marry somebody that's going to be devoted to Jesus and can help you in that. Okay, folks, this, I know this is short, but this is, this is the guts of it. This is the guts of what Paul is saying. If you're, so if you, are, um, if you are married or wanting to be married, you need to be devoted to your family and the Lord, to both of those things. And, you know, that can be, that can be tricky. And sometimes we go in an extreme, the extremes of that, and we kind of lose it on the extremes. Like I was reading this week about missionaries who basically abandoned their families to serve overseas. Um, I was reading about actually particularly in Sweden during the heyday of their missionary fervor, there were these orphanages for the children of missionary parents. The missionary parents hadn't died, but they weren't caring for their kids. They weren't parenting them. So they had to establish these orphanages for these children. This is not godly behavior. These missionaries probably should have stayed single. So if you're single, Paul says, your life has a bit more agility about it. But it's not time it's not just your time. It's not just your time. It is your time. But it's not just your time. It's the Lord's as well. Remember um, verse 20 of this passage. Uh, it says, you are not your own. For you are brought at a price. So glorify God in your body. Okay, I'm, I'm finishing up here. Um, Paul has been talking about choosing the single life. And I acknowledge for lots of people, it's just not a choice that you've made. It's just what is. And that's hard. 
But the principles of what the Bible says here are the same. And Paul assumes the following. First, he assumes that Jesus is enough for you in whatever situation you're in. Even in a tricky marriage or uh, unchosen situations. Secondly, all the things that we think are so important right now are fleeting. They're temporary. Our world will pass away one day, and we will be with Jesus for eternity in a new creation. And if you can hold on to those ideas, hold on to those truths, I think what it does is it, it, can, it can free our hearts to serve the Father. For some of us will have a bit more space in our life to do that. But for all of us, we are all called to deal daily with Jesus, all of us, no matter the circumstance. Amen.